and welcome to episode number 10 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about baseball. So if you're not into baseball, I apologize. You may not be interested in what we're covering here today. In the last episode, number nine, we talked about change. And this is kind of an extension of that as I want to talk about my thoughts on baseball as a sport, where it is right now. And I almost got a little bit misty-eyed here as recording this as I picked up my phone to see what time it was, and it was 3.36, which means absolutely nothing to anybody out there except to me, because that is the section of White Sox Park that my parents have had season tickets in for years and years and years. And my dad's been having some health problems, unable to get out to the ballpark for quite a while. Uh, I've had some issues, as we've talked about in the past, losing vision in my right eye and haven't been to a game in uh, about a year and a half. And that's partially because of the eye and partially because of a close group of friends that were season ticket holders that have kind of been split up due to health reasons. The passing of one of those that one of the first episodes we did, actually episode number one, I talked to you about my buddy Tom, who I met at the Sox games who was a season ticket holder who had passed away. And the games just don't seem the same for that reason, but it goes well beyond that for me. So I wanted to talk about that today. If you're looking for us online, just want to get that out of the way. You can go to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. And you can always email us if you want to reach out to me at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Now, baseball, I really should start this episode by saying, hello, my name is Darren, and I'm a baseballaholic, because that's not an exaggeration. From 2004, I mean, I've been a baseball fan my whole life. I remember going to games back from starting in 1977 for years, and then I took kind of a break. I discovered girls, you know, that took, a, that took some time out of the baseball thing, and uh, luckily, I married a girl who likes baseball, so that was that was actually very helpful. She's beaten me in fantasy baseball leagues, and I'm only slightly uh, embarrassed to admit that. From 2004 through 2016, I don't think I missed a game. I mean, one here or there, but otherwise, it was a uh, it was a full year, 162 games, regular season. Uh, Spring training games, postseason games, it was really an addiction, especially while playing fantasy baseball. It certainly helps to to fuel the addiction, even if your hometown team isn't doing well. This has nothing to do with how well a team is doing or not, because I know my team right now sucks. The White Sox, they're horrible right now. They're rebuilding. The hope is they are going to be getting better, so I have hope for that. But I wanted to talk about the overall problem in baseball because I just looked at an excellent website, baseballreference.com, baseball-reference.com, and they have all sorts of information about the sport of baseball, and I really recommend anybody that even has a passing interest, check the site out, see what they have to offer. One of the things they do have to offer is they'll show you the current attendance for all 30 Major League Baseball teams. Compared to the year before, you can get all sorts of uh, information, and you can see how things are going. We all want to see, you know, hey, are we doing better? Are we doing worse? As of this point in the season, and here we are at the end of July in 2018, 
70% of Major League Baseball teams are down in attendance. That's 21 out of 30 are down from where they were last year. Major League Baseball can tell us all they want, that things are peachy and things are great, and they've never been doing better due to a lot of these big television contracts, and right now, financially, that may be the case. But the signs are there, and the signs are very clear that the users that watch baseball, that consume baseball, on whether it's on television or on their computers or whatever, the fans are leaving in droves. That's not a good thing. I'm one of those fans. I really didn't miss a game between 2004 and 2016, and since then I've seen a handful. Literally a handful. I mean, maybe three or four or five, six games a year. And that's mixed now between the White Sox and the Red Sox and the Dodgers and some other teams. And I think the reason for that is the rule changes that baseball have made just don't make any sense to me. They have screwed the sport up beyond any sort of interest for me. Maybe this is why everybody else is leaving, too, because, again, 70% of the teams are down in attendance. The first thing that really started annoying me was the nonstop interleague play. This is what happened when we took it from 16 teams and 14 teams in the uh, American League and National League and made both leagues have 15 teams. So what does that mean? Well, since there's 15 teams at any given day in baseball, there's an interleague game going on. And to me, interleague play sucks. It absolutely sucks. It ruins the game for me. I know fans that are fans of the National League that hate the DH. As somebody who's an American League fan, I hate watching pitchers bat. But what I really hate is being a fan of an American League team that goes into a National League park and then has the pitchers have to bat because those pitchers only have to hit like half the time now. You know, not even because the, the interleague games are only a small portion of the year. So it really puts the American League teams at a disadvantage when they go into a National League park. Same thing said, when a National League team goes into an American League park, they don't have a full-time DA. So even though their pitcher doesn't have to bat, they usually don't have that big slugger sitting on the bench that they can play. So they're at an unfair advantage or at a disadvantage. And I don't, if anything, when I'm watching sports, I want the teams to have an equal opportunity to beat the other team. And in baseball, it's great because anything can happen on any given day, but interleague play definitely causes a disparity between the two teams. It's like they have to figure this out. There's no other sport out there that half the teams play by a different set of rules than the other half. It needs to be fixed. Either the DH needs to go everywhere or the DH needs to disappear. Of course, making things disappear in anything that's making as much money as baseball is, that's hard to do. So I think the only solution there is to put the DH everywhere, and then you're going to possibly alienate all of the National League purists. So, you know, maybe there's no great answer there, except maybe get rid of interleague play. You know what the interleague play, what it used to be if you don't follow baseball? Interleague play used to happen for seven games a year. It was called the World Series. The team that won the American League was all one big division, played the team that won the National League, one big division. Of course, now you need a Central, a West, an East, and there's all of this other crap with the wild card, and that I won't even go into because that just makes me too angry, and that really doesn't uh, 
won't get us anywhere, I don't think. So interleague play was really, to me, where this kind of a, this the baseball that really excited me as a kid started falling apart. Now, instant replay coming in, this had been something that had been talked about for years. And it was, wow, if baseball can only get things right. Well, instant replay created some of its own problems in the fact that it's not a fast solution. You would think that with the billions of dollars and how great everything was, Major League Baseball keeps telling us, you would think that to facilitate an instant replay system, that what they would do is add an extra umpire to every ballpark, to every game being played, so that if there was a play that needed to be reviewed, you'd have a guy sitting in the truck outside, which is how these things work. There's a truck outside with a bunch of TV monitors. They can see everything. They can review the play and make a decision. But no, in their infinite wisdom, and this hasn't changed since this has been implemented a few years ago, in their infinite wisdom, Major League Baseball has decided the best way to do instant replay is to let a bunch of guys in New York take a look at this for everybody in the whole country going on at once. So what ends up happening is when a play needs to go to instant replay, the umpires all have to jog over to the side of the field, put on a set of headphones, dial up New York, and be like, hey, we got a question. This system is not fast. This system is not even foolproof because they will not overturn anything without conclusive evidence, which means if the camera angle, even though it looks like the guy was safe or the guy was out, if there was something in front of the camera at the time and they can't see it perfectly, they won't overturn that call. And there have been plenty of times where it appears that the, the geniuses in New York have gotten the call wrong. So what are we doing? We're slowing the games down and we're not necessarily even getting the calls right. It's kind of nuts. The other thing that this takes away that I don't think anybody saw coming except maybe the league, the managers, when the call used to get blown, used to get really pissed. They used to run out on the field and they would argue with the umpires. Some of the most famous moments in sports are managers losing their shit on the umpires. Bobby Cox, famous guy for doing that. Lou Pinella, Billy Martin, some of the greatest managers of all time were known. Ozzie Guillen here in Chicago had some great run-ins with the umpires. And what did that do? It motivated your team. It got your crowd cheering. It got people excited. Wow, baseball. People were excited about the game. So they bring an instant replay, and they now make it, you can't argue any play that had to, that's going to the instant replay. So this really has taken the managerial arguments and brought them down to a minimal level. And I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. And we don't have computers, we don't have instant replay, we don't have anything monitoring balls and strikes, which is one of the biggest problems that baseball probably has is an inconsistent strike zone and that umpires, they're human, they miss things, I get it. But if you're going to try to go for perfection when it comes to calling these plays, then let's use the technology at hand. The technology is already there for a computer to call balls and strikes. It wouldn't be hard to do but baseball refuses to use that for whatever reason. They don't want to take the umpires out of that part of the game. 
Now, the interesting thing is baseball, with bringing in instant replay, which does nothing but add time to the games, is on an obsessive kick with the pace of play for baseball. They're completely, obnoxiously going after ways to make the game quicker. What's the biggest change they've made lately, though? Instead of having to throw four pitches for an intentional walk, you can now just say, walk him. I mean, this might seem to a layman to make sense. Why should you force the pitcher to actually throw just four balls way outside before you put the batter on first? Well, I can tell you why. Because pitchers are fucking crazy. There's a lot of pitchers that are not able to. I mean, come on, John Lester of the Cubs has a real problem throwing to first base. He can't do it. He throws the ball away. It's, it's a mental block. He can't throw the ball to first base fairly well. It's amazing. There have been players throughout history that this has become an issue. They, have, they get this mental block and their brain goes haywire. Well, it's not easy for a pitcher to throw those four balls softly outside and because it's not what they're normally used to. And that throws a lot of these guys off their game. So taking that out, it just it takes some of the strategy out of the game. And I think that's stupid. The strategy is what made baseball fun. There have been times a pitcher was trying to intentionally walk a guy, threw it too close to the plate, and the batter hit the ball. This is just another skill to have for the pitcher to do what he's supposed to do, the catcher to do what he's supposed to do, the batter to do what he's supposed to do. I would rather see the game actually get played out. How much time are we saving by saying walk him rather than letting the guy throw four pitches? I mean, that's really important. But then we could have instant replay, which you could take five minutes trying to figure out if a guy missed a tag or not. It makes zero sense to me. You're, you're obsessed with pace of play, but then you make stupid decisions like, let's have instant replay. I mean, if you really want a game to be faster, go watch another sport. Baseball is not meant to be a game of speed. And there's really only so many ways to speed the game up. Because as the rules sit, that is what it is. You know, it's not a sport like basketball or hockey where there is a clock on it. There's not a finite set of time it can be played. It technically goes on forever and ever and ever. There have been games that have gone into the 20s innings. They can literally go on forever until somebody scores. And that's something that I know they're going to change. And that's going to piss me off even more. But you know they're eventually going to go to this because they're already talking about, oh, well, if we get to the 11th or 12th inning, we'll just start with the runner on second base to make it easier to score. Really? Then why do we do that in every freaking inning, huh? I mean, if you're really just worried about the game being faster, as White Sox broadcaster Steve Stone said, why don't we just start every freaking game as, again, first one to score wins. Let's just make it sudden death all the time. That would certainly make the game faster. And hell, since pitchers now who used to go nine innings, throw two, 300 pitches in a game, now that these wimps can only go like four or five innings and we have to pull them out at the 100 pitch mark, well, this would just make it a lot easier. You wouldn't have to worry about overusing your pitcher. First team to score wins. That sounds like it might be genius, right? Now, one of the reasons that I think Major League Baseball has become boring as watching paint dry is not 
the pace of play. It has nothing to do with the pace of play. I've watched plenty of games, especially those between the Red Sox and the Yankees. Games that lasted four, four and a half hours, but they held your interest because they were filled with exciting moments. They ebbed, they flowed, you weren't watching paint dry. You were excited to see what was going to happen next. You had a lot of players like Big Pappy and A-Rod, and there was such galvanizing forces. You had Mariano Rivera coming in to close the game out for the Yankees. And these guys were interesting to watch. You weren't sitting there going, oh, gee, this game's over two and a half hours, man. I wish this was quicker. The beauty of baseball is that there isn't a clock on it. The beauty is the pace of play that it has naturally. Trying to force it to be quicker, it just, it just makes zero sense to me because the fans that you already have enjoy what they're seeing and you're, you're trying to placate a bunch of fans who you don't already have by trying to make the sport into something else. But the reason I think baseball has become as boring as it is, is not the pace of each individual game. It's the schedule. If you don't follow baseball, this is going to sound absolutely freaking insane to you because there are 30 teams in Major League Baseball, but every team has five teams in each division, and they want to create these rivalries. You got to have rivalries in your division. It's really, 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 really important to Major League Baseball that you have a rivalry with every team in your division. So in their infinite wisdom, out of those 162 games that you're going to play every year, even though there's 29 other teams besides the one you're rooting for out there to play, those 162 games, 47% of those are going to be played against the four other teams in the division of the team you're following. So for the White Sox, you have 19 games against the Kansas City Royals. You have 19 games against the Cleveland Indians. You have 19 games against the Detroit Tigers, and you have 19 games against the Minnesota Twins. My God, isn't that exciting? We play the same teams over and over and over again. As a fan of a team in the American League Central, you think Mike Trout's the best player in the world? Well, screw you. You're going to see him once a year. It's absolutely nuts the way the schedule is laid out. If you think that people are flocking to the ballpark to see the same teams over and over and over again, I can tell you they're not. As somebody, as I said, my parents have had season tickets for years. They're holding on to them, and even though nobody's been going to the game, so they're, they've been selling them on StubHub. The games people want are the, the few games that are against the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, of course, interleague rivals. You think people are flocking to see the Royals, the Tigers, the Twins, or the Indians? No, they don't care because they're in town like every other week. Nobody wants to see that baseball. I know this seems like a really hard thing for you to understand, but variety is good. Nobody wants to play the same damn teams over and over and over again. It is mind-numbingly boring. Balance out the schedule. Get rid of interleague play. You have a good product if you don't continue to screw it up. I mean, playing 47% of your games against the same handful of teams is just absolutely nuts. And stop with the stupid rules. 
I mean, it was sad when Buster Posey got ran over a few years ago, but we changed the whole sport with the catcher collision rule because one catcher got injured and they made a rule like the catcher is out there unprotected. Has anybody ever seen a catcher? He's the only guy on the field with protective gear on. But somehow, anybody running over him, well, the catcher's for sure to get injured. Baseball used to be a little bit better, and I'm not, I'm not out here advocating for guys to go headhunting or anything like that, but the sport used to work a lot better when they kind of policed themselves. The big government in the, in the politics is the same kind of thing here as MLB with their rules. They want to control every last aspect instead of letting the things happen as they should, letting the chips fall where they may, letting their players decide what is, what is going to be accepted and what isn't. In the old days, if somebody hit your star player, you hit theirs. It, it was a, you know, it was a tit for tat thing. Sure. Did some people get injured? Sure. But you know, a lot less guys got hit. You want to know why less guys got hit? Because they knew the ball might be coming up and in. They were ready to bail out. And we're dealing with, you know, we're not dealing with that anymore. And we're dealing with so many less characters in the game. It's kind of like what happened to NASCAR when it went downhill, when NASCAR was trying to force every one of their drivers to be another homogenized, boring pitch man for whatever company was on their car. We don't want that. We want the guys who get our attention. We want the guys that are a little bit flashy. We want the guys that are memorable. Ted Williams, one of the greatest hitters of all time, was one of the most memorable players in the history of the sport. I just saw a really good documentary on PBS about him. Check it out. And they talked about how just obsessed he was with the game, how he studied the game, and what a larger than life character that he was. I remember a story that I had read about him, and after I saw the documentary, I believe that it was 100% true because uh, Ted could be a little bit harsh. Ted could be a little bit impolite. He wasn't a polished pitch man, nor should he have been. He was a really good baseball player. That's what he was. There was a young pitcher that came up, I believe, from the Dominican. And the first time this pitcher faced Ted Williams, he struck him out. And the pitcher was so excited about that, which you can understand. He struck out Ted Williams, one of the greatest, if not the greatest hitter in the history of baseball. So the pitcher saved that ball. And after the game, he went into the Red Sox clubhouse and he approached Ted Williams. And he was kind of intimidated by Ted, as a lot of people were. And he asked Ted to sign the baseball. And Ted told him, screw you, no. And I guess the guy, you know, kind of persisted and got to the point to where the guy was it was, it, it was going to start crying because the way Ted was kind of uh, treating him at that particular time. So Ted finally grabbed the baseball and signed it for the guy. I mean, you have to understand, Ted Williams was a competitor. He was basically being asked to sign the symbol of him not getting a hit, you know, of him going up to the bat and failing. Well, the, the pitcher got his autograph and left. It was a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later, some time had passed before Ted Williams faced this pitcher again. And the next time he faced this pitcher, as you might have guessed, Ted hit the ball a country mile out of the park. As he started rounding the bases, he turned to the pitcher and yelled, you go get that son of a bitch and I'll sign it for you too. Well, 
Again, that was Ted. He was a competitor. He was a guy that you enjoyed going to watch. Was he polished? No, but he was a guy that got your attention. And he was a guy that was one of the greatest at his particular profession. So you have to give him a lot of credit. We need more guys like that in baseball. We need to let the players play. We need to get a schedule that makes sense where teams get an equal amount of exposure around the league. And perhaps the dumbest thing I've seen in regards to Major League Baseball is the case of Milwaukee Brewers relief pitcher Josh Hader, who made the All-Star team this year. And during the All-Star game, some of his old tweets resurfaced where they were a little questionable using the N-word. I know that's the word we talked about in the last episode. It's got some magical powers. He said the N-word in multiple tweets, and I've seen that there's been talk that there was also some insensitive, homophobic tweets, whatever that it may have been at the time. But here's the thing. These weren't tweets that happened recently. These were tweets from seven years ago when Josh Hader was in, uh, well, high school. Yeah, that's right. He was 17 years old seven years ago, and these tweets are resurfacing, and MLB, in their infinite wisdom, have decided that he needs to go to some counseling for this. Again, seven years ago, he was in high school. My God, who here didn't do something stupid in high school? didn't say something stupid in high school. Is that the same person you are today? You have to ask yourself that. Because obviously the motherfucking morons at Major League Baseball thought that Josh Hader was that same person, even though there's nothing along those lines in the past few years as he's been a member of Major League Baseball. There's been no tweets like that in recent history. Were they stupid things to say? Sure. But Major League Baseball, mark my words, now that we know the game that is being played, we're going to all start looking because every motherfucking player on every motherfucking team has said something just as bad as this guy. So you better get the fucking seats really fucking warmed up for your anger management and your sensitivity training because all you motherfucking assholes are going to be there. And the last thing I want to talk about is the Baseball Hall of Fame, because it's the National Baseball Hall of Fame. It's allegedly the big baseball Hall of Fame in the world. It doesn't say we're just the MLB Hall of Fame, yet they consistently leave guys off their rosters, including the great Buck O'Neill from the Negro Leagues, who did more for baseball than almost any man that has ever walked the face of the earth, except for maybe another guy not in the Hall of Fame who is Mini Arrestus Mini Minoso, one of the greatest players ever to play, played in parts of six or seven decades, had an amazing career both as a player and as a manager, and was a White Sox ambassador until the day he died. He was the nicest, sweetest guy that you could ever want to meet. Often he'd be at the ballpark signing autographs for everybody that wanted him. I got a chance to talk to him a few times, get a few autographs. Uh, At one point, I made up a couple of posters, uh, lithograph type things, got them printed up at Costco, 20 by 30s. Had taken an old black and white photograph of him from his Negro League days 
and colorized it. And I wanted to, to get that autograph. The next time he was at the game, I couldn't go. My parents brought them, but I also gave my parents a set of these for themselves. And I gave an extra set. So I had three total printed up and said, well, give a set to Minnie. Maybe he would want them there. They were really nice pictures, I thought, when they came out. So my parents went to the game and they gave Minnie these. And once they, uh, they got home, they called me up and they're like, well, you know, Minnie really liked the posters. He sent his business card home with them with his cell number on it. And he said to have me call him. He wanted to tell me how much he liked those posters. He told me how nice my parents were, how he enjoyed talking to them. And he was just the most gracious, humble guy that you could ever imagine talking to. But this was, the, you know, you gave Minnie a couple posters. He wasn't just going to say, hey, tell him I said thanks. He wanted to tell me personally. And that meant a ton to me. The fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame, if you go look at his record, you see what he did for the game of baseball, the type of character that he had, the type of player that he was. He was came along early enough to where Jackie Robinson had just knocked that door down. And a lot of people literally knocked Minnie down with pitch after pitch after pitch where he got hit. He never showed that it bothered him. He always smiled, got back up, and that really got into people's heads. And that's something I take with me well beyond baseball is that people can be an asshole to you. They can knock you down with the pitch. They can hit you with the ball. They can think they're getting the better of you. But if you get up and smile instead of being pissed, it confuses the hell out of them. That's a whole lot of fun in itself. So I hate the fact that guys like Minnie and uh, Buck O'Neill and Dick Allen, another guy who should be in the Hall of Fame, if you look at their records, it makes me not want to be a fan. It really does, because this isn't supposed to be about politics anymore. This isn't supposed to be about, uh, you know, what writers want to consider as the, the bar that has to be set. These are guys that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. These are guys that did more for the sport than most. Is it the ball? Is, what I always say is, it's the Hall of Fame. Minnie Minoso spent his whole life in baseball. Buck O'Neill spent his whole life in baseball. Is it the Hall of Stats? Because if it's just the Hall of Stats, then we can all agree either somebody makes the Hall or they don't. If it's the Hall of Fame, then Minnie Minoso, Dick Allen, Buck O'Neill, they belong in the Hall of Fame. In baseball, you're doing a disservice to yourself by not allowing them in. In baseball as a sport, you're doing a disservice to yourself by trying to speed up a game and making it into something that it isn't. You're doing a disservice to your fans and to the franchises when your decisions at this point have a 70% teams rate of teams that have a drop in attendance from this time last year. You're doing a disservice when you're boring people to death by making teams play 47% of their games against four teams, even though there's another 10 out there in their league alone and another 15 in the other division. And you know who's in the Hall of Fame? And this maybe is the thing that pisses me off the most. Bud Selig is in the Hall of Fame. He was the commissioner previous to the current one. The guy that was in charge throughout the whole steroid scandal Throughout all of these games when people were juicing and these home run things went on, the 
The contest between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire where the balls were just being hit out with regularity and then we found out they were all cheating? Well, the guy that was either so fucking stupid or complicit, one or the other, in that happening, the guy that was in charge during that time, he gets put into the Hall of Fame. Somebody's going to have to explain that one to me because that just makes me laugh and realize what fools they really are. So baseball, take it for what it is. You have a guy here that used to watch literally every game throughout the whole season and preseason, postseason, and now I just don't give a shit. And maybe it is just me. Maybe it is. But uh, it seems there's a lot of me going around right now. If you have a comment, question, feel free to reach out. Again, randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe. Give us a five-star rating, tell a friend. All of those things really, really help. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.